Welcome to Talking Giants, boys and girls. It's officially draft month. I'm excited, and my name is Bobby Skinner, and I'm here with my co-host Justin Panic. Justin, we got a couple interviews done. We had license plate guy on Monday. We had Dan Duggan on last week, but now it's draft month. It's time for me and you to get down in the nitty gritty. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the tight ends and the running backs, some lower tier guys, guys that could be targets for the Giants. We're going to review. Dave Gelman's 2013 draft class. We got giant stories, but how are you doing, Justin, before we get rolling? The drops have to stop, Justin. I hate your drops so much. I'm, I I know you do. That's why I played it. That probably is the only drop I'm playing this entire episode. Pro, pro, I'm, I'm making no promises. That's probably the last one because we have a lot to get to. This is a very busy month. It gives me anxiety because it is busy, and I actually have to be on my game, and I have to be coherent and speak English well. That makes me anxious, but uh, I'm doing well. I'm excited. The New York football giants are hopefully going to be a football team that is improved three weeks from today. Three weeks from today, the night that we're recording this, Thursday, April 2nd. I hope we're a better football team in three weeks. I'm getting so freaking excited just thinking about it, baby. It's draft month. I'm I'm so pumped right now, Justin. Wait, but, but before we get to that, though, before we get to that, though, I, I want to say thank you to yeah, the Yeah, we need listeners. to give a little gratitude. Yes. I said it before you did. So anyways, <laughs> cut you off because I'm I'm more thankful than you are. I will say thank you because we did challenge our listeners to help out with the St. Christopher's because of the softball game being canceled. And you guys did that. We raised over $500. We're going to do a contest. We have a uh, an unreleased Eli Manning t-shirt that is coming out um, on the anniversary of his, of his drafting. So that'll be out. And we do. Uh, toe, toe for Pete. Oh yeah, I'm breaking news right now. Now it's, I, I guess it's coming. This. It's coming out on the anniversary of the draft. This is big business stuff, Justin. This is in the big John Boy Media business meetings that make me feel like I don't fit in. I must have missed the email. <laughs> well, yeah, you're not an executive <laughs> like I am. Anyways, uh, Toe for Pete, our guy. He. Gave, I'm, I'm not going to say people's amounts because they, they probably don't want me to say those amounts, but he gave enough. He's going to be in that contest. Uh, Jack Corderano, he's going to be in it. He's another guy that we love. And other people gave, like Frank the Tank gave, Mr. Brownstone gave. I'm, I'm missing guys. I'm sorry. I know I'm missing people. I should have written them down, but I, I seriously want to thank you guys. Um, we raised over $500, which, you know, it's not a ton, but you know what? What? How much is other podcasts giving? So I, I, I love our listeners. I appreciate what you guys are doing. We'll send out that kind of stuff. And also, I, I'm i excited for this draft month, man. I think we want to give back to our listeners. Our listeners give back to us. Justin, let's get to 200 reviews by the time the end of this draft month. How about that? Mm, mm. We're, we're at, been, what, like 165 right now? So let's, let's no, we're get at to 160, 163, to be exact. 163. Let's get to, two, let's get to 200 before this uh, this month is over, because I think we're going to be doing better coverage than, than freaking I... anybody. I will celebrate and make a joke once we reach 169. So we have that to look forward to. And Justin Pennick will inject himself with coronavirus if we get the 200 by the end of the month. No, that's that's debatable. That's, yeah. that's I, debatable. I, I've calmed down on the corona jokes because it's not funny anymore. 
I will say, do you think we're <laughs> no, going to get not. to a point? It's not. It's not. And I'm, I'm actually taking it very seriously. Um, a lot more serious than most people, honestly. That being said, Justin, do you think like a month from now, we're going to just be like, all right, let's just let's just let people die because we need to go do things. No, no. This is the second time that you've tried to bring up this theory of like cleansing and I, I'm no. not for it, but I'm, I just know, I, I know human behavior and I think people are going to get to a point where you're like, you know what? I don't care if I die. I'm going to live in my life. The old people are doing that. The, now I'm, when I say old people, I don't say it in a negative way, but I'm around, I see a lot of elderly people and they are not changing much from their lifestyle, at least down here in Florida. If you bring this up one more time, I'm going to get very concerned as to like, okay, this dude actually like has a pattern of like thinking about this routinely. And then like you brought it up twice and you brought it up in two different ways. And both times you've defended yourself saying, oh, I don't think this. But if you bring it up for a third time, <laughs> then I'm going to get concerned. I un- Listen, I study human behavior, Justin. I study it. You, study, you do. <laughs> I majored in it. Uh, all right. Now we got some news to get to. Before we do this uh, 2013 class breakdown, the Giants signed Pro Bowl long snapper Casey Kreider. He's played in the NFL for four years. He was with Riley Dixon for two years in Denver. Uh, He went to a Pro Bowl. I mean, Justin, we are going to have the best special teams of all time. And we got Casey Kreider. We got Riley Dixon. We got Nate Ebner. Granted, the funny thing is, is the kicker, Alger Grossos, is the one we're worried about. And we have a head coach who is arguably uh, one of the best special teams gurus in the entire league so yeah as go well as thomas mcgay he is the special teams coordinator so we're gonna be we're gonna be a very special team if you know what i mean oh, <laughs> oh. um apparently denver fans were very like angry that we poached him he's a good dude he's a good dude uh everyone likes him he's a teacher so you know what that's a big that's a big thing for this team a lot it's of a teachers big- <laughs> sports radio here we go it's a big thing for this team we got to get the teachers Colt McCoy basically said that he's going to be a coach after this, so he's he's doing the Jason Garrett route. So Love he's it. here to learn how to be a coach from Jason Garrett. So that's that's just awesome. Alex Tanny, he's basically a coach in the film room. A lot of teachers on this team, Justin. I would like to win too. All right, no, I I don't, I don't want. No, I'm happy. I don't want to. I don't want to get angry. Let's let's. What 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 do we got next? Don't get angry. Just laugh at it. It's just it's just we funny saw- off season talking points. We signed a long snapper, Pro Bowl, Riley Dixon, bromance, great. What do we got next? Yeah, I did long snapper film. That was fun. <laughs> you did. <laughs> now, I want to do this. We're going to evaluate through the next couple of weeks. We're going to evaluate. Everyone knows, if you're listening to this, what the, you already have your opinion on the 2018 draft class and the 2019 draft class. It's been talked about it now, and you have your opinion on them. But I think, and myself included, don't really have the greatest knowledge of his Carolina talk. So I figured, Justin, we'll go, you know, we're not going to go crazy in depth, but I figure we go kind of quickly through each of Dave Gettleman's Carolina draft classes. So are are you excited? I want to make a note and I want to like put an asterisk on this kind of segment that we're going to do because it's a little irresponsible. It's a little irresponsible. And I just thought of this because we don't fully know. Like, unless we, like, we're, we, Bobby and I didn't do enough research to fully know the state of the 2013 Carolina Panthers post free agency and before the draft. Like, to know, like, oh, Carolina really needed this, but then Dave Gettleman went and did that. 
The only thing that I do know from the 2013 draft is that people were mad afterwards that Dave Gettleman did not acknowledge the wide receiver spot. That's the only thing I know. But just know with this exercise, we are evaluating you know Dave Gettleman's drafts in Carolina as like blind Giants fans who did not know the current state of like that roster. We knew that Luke Keekley yeah. and Cam Newton were there, and that's about it. And we know for sure that the 2013 through 15, well, he's, I don't, you know, you don't want to give him the full credit because there's a lot of those guys on that roster, and especially like the star players were there before Gettleman got them. But they didn't stop him from going 15 and 1 into the Super Bowl. So let's start off with 2013. Dave Gettleman's first draft pick as, as a GM, his first one out of Utah, and no other position than defensive tackle. Star Lodulele out of Utah. That's fun. That's a fun Justin, name. he made the all-rookie team. He got uh, a five-year, $50 million contract from the Buffalo Bills, whose coach was the defensive coordinator for that Panthers team, Sean McDermott. So there's a familiarity thing, and they, uh, you know, he's still there. He doesn't have great stats, but he is like the definition of a guy who was just a run stuffer, and I know that keys off a lot of Dave Gellman jokes at 14th overall. So he's, he's a good player. He's not a bad player. He's a good player. And I'm going to do this for the first-round picks. Because it's more relevant, the third, you know, third, fourth round is kind of more of a crapshoot. I went the five picks after Star Lodulele. The five picks after were Kenny Vaccaro, the safety, who's a pretty good safety, but he's, you know, you don't have Kenny Vaccaro's on your team, and you're not like jumping for joy for him. EJ Manuel to the Bills, that was a disaster. Even like Jimbo Fisher of Florida State, like was telling people, hey, don't like don't do this, and the Bills did it. Jarvis Jones, the pass rusher out of Georgia, who went to the Steelers. Remember him? He was he probably was maybe the bust of this first round if you don't include EJ. Actually, even more than Manuel. Jarvis Jones was a huge bust. Eric Reed went to the 49ers, who's a really good safety. A lot of people hate him, but he is a really good safety. And then our own Justin Pugh, Justin. Oh, funny. Funny little pun there you did with the two Justins. But yeah. I didn't um, even plan to do that. I was just finishing off. You're just naturally such a funny person. Um start a little lele. How do you like it? I got it right. I so yeah. I did not look up the pronunciation. You didn't. You didn't. Low to Lele. We're gonna. We're, that's how we're gonna pronounce it on Talking Giants. Okay. Um, Just wait until the fourth round. Yeah. Oh, right, go no, ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. I so I found this Carolina Huddle blog, and they evaluated the 2013 draft in 2016 with this blog. So I thought it was actually a pretty good blog, and they evaluated uh, Low to Lele or our, our, our buddy Star. They evaluated him as a guy that ate up space but he did it at an elite level. And that's that's basically it. And with and I think the value of this first round pick from 2013 is not as valuable and is not as good if Dave Gunnelman didn't get the second round pick right. How do you like that transition? Great radio. <laughs> yeah, the next pick is the jokes are just people are going to have fun with this. The next pick and when I put this out is defensive tackle out of Purdue, Kawan Short. So his first two picks were defensive tackles, which I know people are just writing the jokes right now. But Kawan Short was really good. He In that 2015 uh, Super Bowl season, he was second-team All-Pro. He had 11 sacks, 16 tackles for a loss, you know, Pro Bowl that year. Uh, he's got a 164 career tackles, 32.5 sacks. He's a really good defensive tackle. I mean, he got a five-year, $80 million contract from Carolina. Kawan Short's a really good player. Um, and just flash-wise, he's better than star low to Lele. Well, stat-wise, stat he's better than, than, our, than our buddy star. But 
I do really think that those two complemented each other very, very well, especially as hey, they developed. Star is a star, but short. He, he just comes up a little short. All right, sorry. Go ahead. His well, his nickname with Carolina fans recognized the with Panthers fans is KK Short, and I love that. Like KK, I hate saying I hate KK as a response to a text message, but I guess as a name, it's fun. So KK Short. Here, you want to know something? There was, and they closed down this past year. There was a blind um, or curtain company. Um, in Cocoa Beach, where I live, mm-hmm. and, and I have the picture. If you want me to, I'll I'll send it to you. Uh, it was Kelly's custom curtains, but Ooh. because her name was Kelly, she changed the custom the C and the C the C and custom and curtain to K. So the initials for KKK. No, not- I, ask me. I want to share this because I think it's so like unbelievably like dumb and funny. Yep, it's not not where you want to be, but Kawan Short. <laughs> And our buddy Star complimented each other very, very well. And I think if you had, like, Kawan Short without Star, you grade this 2013 draft kind of bad. And if you have Star without Kawan Short, same thing. You grade it bad. Then then Star is just a guy who's a run stopper and he does nothing else. He's not really seen as a guy that's going to eat space. But because these guys played together and they complimented each other so well... It led to a 2015, you know, run where Carolina went on, especially on that defense side of the ball. It, it led to a little. It, those were the hallmarks of that defensive line, and those kind of guys back to back. It seemed to work for that team. It seemed to work, and I'm saying this, biting my tongue, being somewhat of a Dave Gettleman critic, but just trying to understand how, like, just how the game of football works. And if those two guys can complement each other. Just like we, you know, we know we've been on this podcast saying how good of a player Leonard Williams is. If I say that this was irresponsible to pick these defensive tackles back to back because of just my natural bias against Dave Gettleman, then I also have to eat crow on Leonard Williams. And I'm not willing to do that. So I'm trying to stay consistent. Right. So now the next one, fourth round pick, 108th overall. Edmund Kugbila, a guard out of Valdosta State, he never played. So that's that's a really bad pick. I get it's the fourth round, but when you draft a guard in the fourth round, you expect him to at least stay on the team. He never really stayed on the team. He was in the league for one year, never got any snaps. So obviously that's that's a really bad pick. I'm not going to get on anybody for like a fourth round pick not panning out, but you want a guy to at least have enough talent to where he got a chance and he just never got a shot. And this is also a rare time where Dave Gettleman has taken a guy with possibly an injury history, and Dave Gettleman has never, at least his time with the Giants, has never found himself in trouble with guys that A, have an injury history, or B, have been injury-prone with the Giants that he's taken or he's signed. So I give credit to Dave Gettleman in that regard where this has not been a problem, unlike Jerry Reese. Jerry Reese found guys that got hurt all the time. All right, next on the list, fifth-round pick, 148th overall, linebacker A.J. Klein. You probably know him better with the Saints. Um, but he's he's always been a good, like, number three, number two inside linebacker. He usually gets around, like, 60% of the snaps on defense throughout, like, his career. In that 2015 year, he had 55 tackles and interception and seven tackles for a loss on 60% of those snaps. Got a career total of 339 tackles, 34 tackles for loss, three interceptions, 10 and a half sacks, which is pretty good for a guy who's not playing every down. Uh, the Saints gave him a three-year, $15 million deal. And then this this pass offseason, the Bills, who love those, you know, 
those Panthers from that run gave him a three-year, $18 million deal. So he's gotten two decent contracts. Um, so And AJ Klein, I, I've watched him play with the Saints a little bit. He's pretty good. He's, he's nothing special. But for a fifth-round pick, he's definitely a win for me. Yeah, Luke Keekley missed several games in 2015 due to a concussion, and that is when A.J. Klein was really able to step in and start for maybe possibly one of the first times. And he, according according to this uh, Carolina Huddle blog, he filled in pretty well. So for a fifth-round pick, if, if a guy has been in the league this long, you know, from 2013 and we're approaching 2020, if a guy's been in the league this long and he's been able to serve as quality number two, number three guy, good pick. Right, right. All right, next on the list, there's a guy I loved at watching in college out of Oregon. Six-round pick, and this is the last one, which is funny that Dave Gettleman, the two teams he's taken over, he only has five draft picks in this in his first draft. Um, Six-round pick, 182 overall. Kenyon Barner, who's got a career. He, you know, he didn't play last year, but he played almost every year up until last year. He has a career of 100 carries, 416 yards, three touchdowns, 28 carries, 152 yards. Um, he only was with Carolina for one year, which Justin, I'll be surprised. I'm really surprised that this guy didn't start for a long time because I've been told that you just get running backs in the sixth round and they're automatically good. You know, I feel like that was a slight towards me, even though I've never said that. Even though I've never said that, I feel like that was that was a slight, a slight slight towards me. Um, well, we started this morning off just a full disclaimer of me oh, and you just true. yelling at each other. That is and true. And it's like, dude. Like, just infuriated with each other. So I'm glad that we're finishing off the day laughing about what we were mad at each other for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, appar- apparently, Barner uh, was a guy that, like, fumbled a couple times in the preseason. And if you want to get in Ron Rivera's doghouse, you fumble. So after after those two fumbles that this guy had during the preseason, it was enough for this Carolina Huddle blog to just totally dismiss him as a player, which I find that to be such, like, an LOL moment as a person that was just reading this blog as an outsider (laughs) all right all right so i mean now the the part that we hate doing is like what are your what are your overall thoughts on this draft i thought you were i thought all right i I thought you were gonna do it i thought you were gonna say no i can't do grades because i'll be super inconsistent (laughs) i'll just be making up on the fly i can't do it i I would say pretty good star uh lele kwan short good players the fourth round pick i get that it's a fourth round pick but the fact that that guy never even got a shot does bother me. AJ Klein, I like that pick. And then Kenyon Barner, like you said, the fumbles, like, kind of, I guess, got him in the doghouse with Rivera. But he's always been like a guy with talent. And I like a guy who was really good in college giving him a, a flyer. So, um, so I, I would say, I would call it pretty good, is basically what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not jumping to the moon for it, but I, I, I like that draft. The articles that were coming out after the 2013 draft is why didn't Dave Gettleman acknowledge the wide receiver position? Who was Cam Newton going to throw the ball to? If you look, you know, hindsight's 2020. If you look at, you know, these first two rounds, these first two rounds, they make the draft. Like if you look at guys that were that were quality starting players, you know, his fourth round was a miss. It was a bust. Um, but, you know, again, we're not going to get too mad at that. You know, but basically, and if you look everywhere else, the fifth and the sixth round pick, he didn't have that many picks, like you said. They're not really quality starting players. So where he made, where Gettleman made his money this draft was his, was with, with Star, and it was with Kawan Short, and those two guys were a hallmark of that interior defensive line that you know for that 2015 run that they did have. They were they were integral, and you, and you can't ignore that. So that is what makes the draft as a whole 
a win because those two guys were able to complement each other so well. Yeah, definitely. So, and, you know, like I said, we're not going to give Dave Gellman credit for getting that Panthers team to the Super Bowl, but he had three drafts that didn't stop him from getting there. So anyways, and we'll get in the next episode. We'll do 2014, then 15 and six and so on until we're done. All right, Justin, we're, we're kind of strapped for time. Let's do giant stories or days of our giants or whatever we're calling. We need to put it up to a poll, honestly, what no, we're doing. We no, need to make no, a decision on this. No, um, we're not putting it up to a poll because people like you better than me and they will pick giant stories and not days of Yeah, but of our, our listeners are, audi- are honest people. Okay? You, no, you have, there's, there's you, you have a cult. You have a little bit of a cult that follows you. Have you noticed that a little bit? A little no, bit of a cult. I do not. A little you, bit. People, I put, uh, people like me, I consistently put out good stuff. If I stop putting out consistently good stuff, they won't like me. That's how it goes, Justin. No, but you have the cult that whenever Dwayne Haskins is brought up, whenever Landon Collins is brought up, or whenever <laughs> PFF is brought up, Bobby Skinner is thrown into the fire, and you are leading the charge. <laughs> so do not deny this. Yeah, we went off on Landon on a Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> that was fun. I was honestly just having fun with it. I wasn't like mad at Landon for what he said. I was just having fun with it. I think he was doing the same, and then he blocked me. I just keep on. Who's the? That's a, that's something we need from the listeners. What Redskins player should I try and get blocked by next? Um, Norman's not on the team. I probably would have picked him next. All right, Justin. Giant stories. Keep on whatever. Cue the music. Golden Tate did a snake prank on his wife, scared the poop out of her, and mm-hmm. then she took his PS4 controllers and wouldn't give them back until agreed to not do the prank anymore. And later on the week, they were flying kites. Dion Lewis was playing the board game Trouble. Leonard Williams was playing the board game Monopoly and doing spear fishing and ended up frying those fish. Levine Toilolo, who officially signed his contract, was making French toast. Darius Slayton was doing burnouts in his Dodge Charger. Caden Smith did a TikTok dance video. Drayvon, I forgot his last name. The guy from the XFL, I only wrote down Drayvon, was Ask working Henry. out in the hood. And RJ McIntosh was fishing in a lake in Florida. Justin, board games are getting big again. Trouble, Monopoly, or another game that you... Which one's your best? Candyland? I mean, what's your go-to board game? I had such a boring childhood, I never played board games. Never. Trouble is a great board game. I I like seeing Dion Lewis do that. That was... I I was big on the Dion Lewis uh, Trouble. I love that game. I'm jealous of our boy Toy Lolo. Making waffles? Posting it it on his Instagram story? (laughs) French toast. I want to say something. Leonard Williams has, like, the best life on the West Coast. I mean, he's always, like, his house is so sick. He's always doing something fun. He lives right on the beach. Levine, or Levine Tololo, Leonard Williams, he just has an awesome life. And he's got a six, he's he's literally at the moment is not signing a $16.7 million contract. That's how good his life is. I guess he was a top draft pick, so he got a little bit of substantial money. Homeboy, homeboy lives a life. Um, Darius Slayton doing burnouts spoke to me because I was a kid who grew up with his my dad doing burnouts. Lloyd would blow the tires on things. We would do they would hook up on our street. We'd hook up to our neighbor's truck and they'd hook up uh, a tow strap to their hitches and then they would pull each other and do the craziest of burnout. I mean, 
I grew up on burnouts, and the more and more I see Darius Slayton stuff, the more and more I think I would get along with him. Where was he doing it? I'm just like in in his driveway. That's awesome. I, good, good here's a burnout him. trick: put bleach on your tires, and it will be a lot smokier. Thanks, Bobby Skinner. That's true. I'll do that on my Dodge Avenger. <laughs> I got a really good burnout video on my Instagram. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick, um, and then we'll. While I'm pulling it up, next uh, the next part of the show is well, like, was, like we said before, we're starting our draft previews, which means we're starting today with tight ends and running backs because it's two positions that are not of need. So we're going late round, guys. Some guys might not even get drafted, but it's guys that we could see being a decent fit for the Giants. Now, there's going to be some more negative things to say because these guys are a little lower on the totem pole. But nonetheless, it's fun. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing it, and I am close to finding this burnout video. Justin, any words before we we kick it over? Be well. Thanks for listening. Leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app and let us know why you love us, and we'll love you right back. Get us to 169 ratings, and I'll make a joke. Bobby, have you found the video? (gasps) Oh, I know it. It's on my brother's Instagram. Here, I got it. We can't even see it. Maybe you can't hear it. This car is not moving. So much smoke. All right. Let's kick it off to the tight ends and running backs. That was so worth it. Thank you. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. Let's take a look at these draft prospects. Justin. I'm like really giddy right now. This is the first ones we're doing of the season. Been looking forward to this for a while. I'm really giddy. And we're going to talk about some talk. Tight, I almost called them talking ends, tight ends and running backs. It's actually funny. Uh, somebody said recently, oh, it was, it was a Toy Lolo. And he was, on the, he was on the conference call this week. And he said, the more tight ends on the field, the better. That exact quote. And the five-year-old in me giggled. Because I'm an immature person. That's true. That is true. But no, we figured we'd start with tight ends and running backs because it is not a position of need. Right. And because of that, we are doing late round guys. I mean, some of these guys might not even be drafted. That being said, Justin, I want to start off with a guy who probably will be drafted and probably in the fourth, fifth round range. Out of Florida Atlantic University, so close to home, so I had to talk about him. Six foot five, 243 pounds. And that's the FAU tight end Harrison Bryant. He ran a 4.7340. He had a 32 and a half inch vertical jump and uh, 13 bench press reps at the combine. So nothing to be like too crazy about. But just remember the tight end combine numbers. I think the fastest one was like a a four five, and then the fat like the second one was like a four six six or something like that, a four six five. So when you see four seven three, it's actually pretty good. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, second was a four six six. Justin, I went and watched a couple of his games. I went and watched him again. He played against Ohio State, and they were obviously just unbelievably outmatched. But he looked like he belonged on that field with that team. I mean, he finishes, uh, or he finds the holes and zones, and that is that is so much more valuable than speed when it comes to the tight end position. Um, is Can you see where that hole is going to be in the zone? You time it, and you're on the same page with your quarterback to find that. He does that. And... When he was thrown balls, thrown passes that were contested, I mean, he had some wild catches, some like Randy Moss type catches, and he would always come down with the ball. So he had great hands in traffic. He runs like a wild man when he does have the ball, you know. So it's 
and I think part of that was he realized he was the only guy for FAU. So like every time he had the ball, he was trying to make the most out of it. Um, he takes good angles in blocking. He's not great on like one-on-one on the edge. I really like this guy. I don't think he's going to be an option for the Giants, but I mean, he has 65 catches, 1,004 yards and seven touchdowns in, uh, in 2019, which was 15.4 yards per catch, which is really good for a guy that was the going to be the focal point of every defense that played them every week, Justin. Yeah, had a little bit of a drop issue. Had a total of eight. Uh, a great catch rate, however, despite you know eight, eight drops is not is not significant, but it's one of the higher amounts of the top tight ends. Great catch rate. I think why you're disappointed that he had a disappointing combine is because you want. I think evaluators wanted to see him make up for his smaller wingspan. Since he had a little bit of a smaller wingspan, you wanted to see maybe some of his 40 numbers and some of his speed numbers make up for that, and it doesn't necessarily do that. That doesn't mean he's a bad player, though, and Bobby and I are kind of believers on this podcast where you don't want to take the the measurements of the combine too seriously. Uh, He definitely has more of a potential as a receiver than a blocker, like Bobby said, Um, but those receiving abilities, and they're natural to him, it it kind of makes him a top-five tight end in this class, in my opinion. Yeah, he's going to be a starter. Um, and he's going to be a good starter for a team. So I, I like Harrison Bryant out of FAU. Justin, who is the first tight end on your list? All right, Bobby, before I start, one of the things that I kind of want to introduce and one of the things that I kind of want to preface is the way that I have my notes and the way that I'm going to be evaluating players throughout this entire draft quest and throughout this entire month is I'm going to be going through plus plus things that players are absolutely fantastic at. They excel at the most plus things that players are good or average or solid at. And then the minus part is the things that players either need to improve on or things that I just flat out don't like about the player. And then I'll give like an overall kind of premise too. So that's how I'm going to kind of go through the entire month. That's my entire format of how I write notes and how I'll talk about players. But my first tight end is going to be Josiah DeGuara, tight end out of Cincinnati, 6'3", 240 pounds. He was a two-year starter, uh, had his best season this year in 2019, where he started 13 games, 39 catches, 504 receiving yards for an average of 12.9 yards per reception with seven total touchdowns. So in my plus-plus category, uh, I'm saying that Josiah DeGuara should not be ranked as low as he is on certain websites just because he did not statistically put up huge numbers. He did lead all tight ends in the bench press at the Combine with 25, and this strength inevitably shows up on tape. He did a great job sealing the edge in the run game and was impressive overall as a run blocker. He has good burst off the line of scrimmage, which allows him to be the man who gets his hands on the defender first. Also something significant which shows up on tape when he's running routes is the fact that he utilizes a head fake pretty well when running certain routes, especially when he's running out of the slot. So now we're going to move towards my plus category. He's a smooth, crisp route runner. Nothing flashy or extravagant, but a lot of his big plays and TDs, they did come from corner routes to the left sideline. That's where a lot of his touchdowns come from. That's where a lot of his big plays come from. Uh, so you maybe you want to see him utilize the route tree a little bit more, but those corner routes, that's where he did make his money. Nothing flashy, but nothing extravagant. So overall, as a tight end, he lined up with his hand both in the ground and out wide, and he was not a liability either spot. 
So the areas where I think he needs to work on and the areas that I don't like about his game, he needs to work on his awareness as a blocker. There were times where he struggled to put a hat on a helmet and he looked silly. So when, so in whatever system that he would be put in, he'll have to work on the mental aspects of the game. It's something that I do think that he can improve on. Uh, is probably not going to give you much in the broken tackles category as well, but he can certainly move. He's very much a rumbler. Uh, I want to see a little bit more of a mean streak uh, for him as a blocker. He has that strength. You know, we said, you know, 25 bench press reps. Uh, He has the strength, but I'd love for him to finish his blocks more. He's going to need to do that at the pro level where guys are inevitably bigger and stronger. So overall, uh, one of the most underrated tight ends in the class. He actually is one of these lower tier guys that has the potential to grow into a possible starter and not just a special teamer or a number two guy. The combo of power and athleticism he offers, it is an awesome combo. Yeah, he's at 6'2", which you really don't see with the tight end position anymore. I mean, it used to be that like 6'2", 6'3", was what tight ends were. Seeing him there is like, okay. Next on my list, Justin, and I really like this guy, and he might be go undrafted, I don't know, but I really like what this guy puts down. Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. He's six foot four, 253 pounds. At the combine, he ran a 4.7140, a 34-inch vertical jump, 21 bench press reps, and a 7.073 cone drill. He's an H-back, and what that means is he's a hybrid. He plays between tight end and fullback, and he does a good job of both, Justin. Like, he was fun to watch. So, when he is blocking, he's he gets really good and low. He can he can be a lead uh, a lead blocker, like he's very good as a lead blocker as a fullback in the hole. Like he knows where to go. He doesn't have great play strength, but he like he puts everything into it. Like there's sometimes where he'll lean a little too much, but when he doesn't get in trouble for leaning too much, he just buries dudes. Like you and I'll I'll show some stuff. I mean, when he's a lead blocker, he can bury dudes. He's, uh, like I said, he's very smart in the hole. He's got decent receiving skills and with a, a really nice motor w- uh, w- when he has the ball. The thing is, a lot of his catches and especially his touchdowns, Justin, were all were very scheme related. He was wide open. Now, I, I can't get mad at a guy for doing his job and being open, but it wasn't like he just went out and made some awesome play. It was a lot of scheme stuff. But when he has the ball in his hands, he plays like a man, a madman. It's just, and I love that kind of stuff. I like that gritty kind of stuff. And Justin, I know Elijah Penny was re-signed. I'm not the biggest Elijah Penny guy. If Dalton Keene is available as an undrafted free agent or a seventh-round pick, which I believe we have four of this year, I would love taking a flyer on this guy. I think he's, I think he's got a lot of potential, and he just seems like one of those guys who is always going to figure out. You know who he reminded me of? Who do he remind you of? You remember the old Rutgers fullback who played in front of Ray Rice? I am th- wait. I worked out with him, Brian Leonard. Brian Leonard. He reminds me of Brian Leonard a lot. So that doesn't. You hear Brian Leonard, and you're not like, oh, that's a great comparison. He's going to be great, horrible in the NFL. I really like that he's got good running ability. He's good in the in, in the hole. Like I said, he's not going to like just dominate guys blocking wise. But if he if he gets his hands on you and you don't dump him if he leans too much, he will bury guys. So if he could keep his head up a little bit, he can be a real deal fullback who actually has receiving skills as well. I mean, he had some nice catches too. So as much as a lot of the stuff was schemed, he had some nice catches. In 2019, he had 21 catches, 240 yards, and five touchdowns, three of which were against Miami. So this Dalton Keene guy, I think out of this position group, you know, like I did three tight ends, three running backs. I think he was the guy who excited me the most, Justin. You mentioned the word gritty, and the 
kind of two, even three, three big notes that I have on Dalton Keene. He makes guys miss with yards after the catch and broken tackles, and he's a high-motor effort blocker. I think you use the word gritty. I think that ultimately very much lines up for what I also see about Dalton Keene. And it's not really rare in this class, but what is going to separate the lower-end tight ends and the tight ends that are going to go a little bit earlier is I honestly do feel it's what you can do with the ball in your hands kind of after the catch. Obviously, blocking is something that is that is of high value, and a lot of my guys that I have on my list, they're very good blockers. But Keen is never going to be like a George Kittle out on the edge, like tight end, a traditional tight end blocker. He's kind of has to have that, that running start, um, which I'm not like, I like, I like that more, especially with what the giants are looking for. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't have like the strength to just be out on the edge and block the best defensive end. Well, right. That's, that's why calling him like high motor and giving effort, you know, kind of similar, you know, why, why you're okay with, you know, if you look on the giants, why you're okay with like Evan Ingram lining up 12 personnel and lining up on the line of scrimmage. It's because he gives effort. He may not be the best blocker, but he gives effort and you're okay with that yards after the catch and broken tackles. That's something that is going to separate you in this tight end class. And I feel like in every single class where a lot of guys, mostly guys are, are just thumpers. And whenever they catch the ball, they, they're putting two hands on the football and they're waiting for somebody to come out and take out their ankles. Keen is one of those guys that can give you something after the catch and he can break some tackles and make some plays down the field. All right. So next on my list is Thaddeus Moss, tight end LSU. Thaddeus Moss caught two touchdowns in the national championship, by the way, but Thaddeus Moss has a little bit of a complicated uh, uh, collegiate career. 2016, he was at North Carolina State as a freshman, but also, well, let's, we're, I'm kind of forgetting the biggest point. Thaddeus Moss is the son of Hall of Fame wide receiver Randy Moss. Little fun. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> little, little fun tidbit. Uh, not going to lie, partially why we're, we're covering him, because he is Randy Moss's son, but I actually kind of like him, uh, especially if you compare him to the other lower-tier, lower-end tight ends. I actually do kind of like him. So 2016, North Carolina State, he was a freshman, and he actually didn't even play until this year, 2019, at LSU. He transferred from North Carolina State, uh, and then when he was actually eligible and ready to rock and roll and ready to play and for the 2018 season, he suffered a foot injury. And what is what what I what I'm reading online is that it was like a fifth meta metatarsal injury. So uh, do with that information as you may. I'm not a doctor. I've never heard of that injury. Hey, Justin, you're not a doctor. Th- thanks, thanks, Bobby Skinner. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. I don't know how that injury and how you know the the injury history might impact him down the road. But nevertheless, um, I, I I liked what I saw. I liked what I saw. So in 2019, what Thaddeus Moss did is in 12 games, he had 47 catches, 570 yards, four touchdowns, two of which came in the national championship game. So my my plus-plus category of Thaddeus Moss in 57 targets, he had 47 catches. He did not have a single drop, which is kind of awesome, very reliable in that regard. Above-average run blocker. Now, it's kind of unexpected. You wouldn't expect the uh, the son of Randy Moss, uh, you know, former Diva wide receiver, to be an above-average run blocker, and that actually is the best part of his game. But lo and behold, it, it definitely is. So don't let the wide receiver name fool you. He gets after it in the run game. And my regular plus category, he does a good job chipping edge rushers at the line of scrimmage. Uh, wide frame, despite only being 6'2", it gives QBs a large window to throw to. And then in my negative, my, my minus category, injury history is present. 
He has a lack of athleticism. He does not excel at getting yards after the catch or broken tackles. Combine that with his lack of speed. It is clear that very much he benefited from a favorable scheme that didn't ask him to do too much to be productive. Usually how I'm like associating, if you don't have good yards after the catch numbers, or if you don't have good broken tackles numbers, you're typically kind of benefiting from a scheme, which is not a bad thing. It's I'm not going to make that a bad thing, but it's something that's just part of guys' eval. Um, overall, high upside as a future tight end, too, and a productive one. But unless he can work on the athleticism side of his game and maybe start making a little bit more contested catches down the field, then the upside that I see is a tight end, too. Justin, when you hear that is Randy Moss's son, you're thinking this guy's some kind of athletic freak, and you're thinking that he just doesn't block at all. No. It's the exact opposite, like you said. <laughs> He doesn't really have the athleticism, and he's a really good run blocker. Like he, his strength, like you said, is his run blocking, which just blows you away. Because Randy Moss was an athletic freak who had like some of the worst effort we've ever seen in the NFL from a star player. So he's like the exact opposite of his father. So yeah, it's 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 kind of funny that he's actually a pretty good blocker, and he doesn't. He's not like at this athletic freak. But Justin. My last tight end, he's also from LSU. It's Steven Sullivan. He's six foot five, two hundred forty-eight pounds. He had a really good combine. I mean, a really good combine. For a four-six-six forty, a thirty-six and a half inch vertical jump, seven-five-one-three cone drill. Justin, I'm not big on Steven Sullivan. Now he's got good hands in traffic and sideline feet. He's got good pop on his blocks, but he doesn't finish. Like he gets a good pop on his blocks, but he just like He'll get he'll get he'll get on a guy like boom one and then that one and a half the guy will throw him to the side so he's not able to finish his blocks. I think he LSU split him out wide a lot like oh you're gonna be this athletic tight end that plays out at wide receiver. He just didn't look to fit there. He does he just doesn't look to fit there and it's kind of a reminder of with Giants talk about Evan Ingram. But like you might split him out wide and realize that that's not his position. So he didn't look great right right there. Uh, he kind of reminds me of just a guy who's like, he's got all this potential. You have this stuff you love about him. I just don't think he'll ever pan out. Now, I'm not going to say he won't because he has the ability to do it. Um, but like he has lazy routes and, you know, he'll take a burst and make his cut. And if he doesn't think the ball is coming to him, he'll just start jogging. And I just don't see that fitting in. I don't see that being a guy the Giants would draft when they have Evan Ingram, Caden Smith, and Levine Toilolo on their roster. Now, like I said, the athleticism gives you some hope if they were to bring him in. But it's just, are we going to harness that? So, And he didn't really produce much. His, I mean, his stats in his his last season, he had 23 catches. Or his junior year, he had 23 catches uh, for 363 yards and two touchdowns. As a sophomore, he had 11 for 219 and one touchdown. Justin, I don't really like doing like player comparisons. I just want to say he reminded me of Jarrell Adams. Not because, like, oh, they're the same player. But of the hopes I had for Jarrell Adams, because I was like, okay, he's got this good speed, he's got good size, he's got a good vertical, and it's just it was just never meant to be, though. I threw up on my mouth when you mentioned Jarrell Adams. Is that a bad thing? For Jarrell Adams, it is. Yeah, sucks, sucks to be him. Yeah, but uh, Stephen Sullivan, he, he slightly produced early in his LSU tenure as a wide receiver, and Bobby, I think that's the season that you referred to when he had 23 catches Good straight line speed and has an ability to move up the seams, and that's going to be the reason why teams might have a little bit of hope in him. But again, he doesn't offer much as a blocker. Um, not really good after the catch. He had 14 targets all last season. So I, I was I was curious on why you might have picked picked this guy um, <laughs> to, to, 
to cover because there's just there's just not much here. There is the potential. There will be a team that will take him because you know he had a good combine and he has that good good straight line speed. He has it. He has that. You can check that off. But kind of similar to Evan Ingram, why I feel like he didn't work as a wide receiver is because, and this is the same reason why Giants fans are like, oh, let's put Evan Ingram at wide receiver. The reason why you can't put him at wide receiver is because it takes him a little while to fully get accelerated and fully get up to speed. You know, wide receivers, their first and their second steps, they're good. You know, they can get off the line quick, but it's not, you know, this guy is going to take until his third or his fourth step to really get into, you know, get into how fast and how fit and how fast he is as a runner. So, that's why I feel like him putting him at wide receiver didn't work, but also him not being able to block as a tight end, that also kind of hinders him as well. So uh, tough situation for Sullivan. I, I I hope for the best. Hopefully hopefully you don't wind up right. like Jarrell Adams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Justin, who's next on your list? All right. my uh, This is my this is my final guy. My final guy with a fun name. Devin Asiasi, tight end from UCLA. Spelled Asian S-I. Or Asia SI, not Asia. Asia Asia SI, yes. Um, luckily, luckily, I have found a very helpful and resourceful website that helps me with these names. <laughs> um, but uh, he pretty much took on the starting reins uh, of tight end uh, this year for UCLA. Twelve games, forty-four catches, six hundred forty-one yards, an impressive, impressive uh, fourteen point six uh, yards per catch with a total of four touchdowns so in my plus plus category throughout his entire career he averaged 15.2 yards per catch during his collegiate career which is pretty absurd especially for a tight end he has great athleticism and speed in space long big strides if you watch on film bobby long big strides he runs really aggressive when he gets going after his second step uh, he is a force in space where if you could get him going on the seam secondary players are going to struggle bringing him down uh, he also only had one drop in 2019. So that was my plus-plus category. In my plus category, he gives solid effort when blocking, but still needs to work in that regard, especially with his angles in the run game. I saw some plays where all he needs to do is turn his backside to the ball carrier, and the block is made. Instead, he tried to muscle guys out of the way, standing laterally, not using leverage, and he got in trouble in that regard. Still gets good separation, drives his legs on film when it comes to his blocking. Now, I actually like his blocking a little bit more. Uh, I like his form and his technique a little bit more than some of the scouts do, so I want to put that as a note. But contested catches, broken tackles, yards after the catch, that means in my brain he does not solely rely on scheme for success and production. Over 200 snaps lining out in the slot in 2019, so has both experience putting his hands in the dirt, in and out of the dirt. For a UCLA offense, that was not very good at all. And Bobby, you have a running back uh, on your list who exceeded pretty well despite a very, very bad UCLA offense. Anytime we can find a guy that excels with that crappy situation, uh, they might be worth it (laughs) because that UCLA offense was not very good. Um, so in my in my minus category and some things that he needs to work on, Asi Asi needs to work on, he has issues with weight. Certain websites had him at 270 pounds to start the season, yet at the combine he weighed in at 257 pounds. If he can cut down on the weight a little, little bit more, I feel like he automatically becomes an even more of an athletic freak. He becomes a little bit faster, a little bit more quicker. I think that will only help him. He needs to work on that fluctuating weight as the season goes on. But overall, probably the guy that is most complete out of the three guys I have previewed because of his natural athletic ability. He's just not a thumper, and that's what just and that is what distinguishes him for me. All right, that's the tight end group. 
no holds bad. He was, he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the varsity. All right, let's talk about the running backs. Justin, first on my list out of Memphis, Patrick Taylor Jr. He's six foot one, two hundred seventeen pounds. At the combine, he ran a four five seven forty, a thirty four and a half inch vertical jump, fifteen bench press reps, and a four three four shuttle. Justin, you know who uh, Darnell Henderson is? He's the backup running back for the L.A. Rams. He was his backup in 2018. Well, Patrick Taylor, as a backup to Darnell Henderson, had uh, 1,122 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, and 16 touchdowns, 17 catches, 197 yards, and two touchdowns. His 2019 uh, season got, got cut short. Because of an ankle injury, so he only played six games. But he had 350 yards on 4.5 yards per carry and five touchdowns. His uh, sophomore season, he had 866 yards on 5.5 yards per carry, 13 touchdowns. So he got a lot of touchdowns. He was a lot of fun to watch. He's a big guy who knows how to, how to run behind his shoulder pads, and he'll beat on guys and he'll fall forward. And that's I, and that's for specifically the Giants. What I am looking for if they were going to take a late round flyer on a running back is a guy who is going to beat on dudes and is always going to fall forward. I don't need some guy who's got speed, but doesn't know how to find a hole and who's tackled easily. <clears throat> Wayne Gallman is who I'm talking about. I want a guy who's going to beat on people, especially now that Dion Lewis is the backup running back. If he's got, if it's, if it's third and three, Justin, he's getting the first down. He gets to his, his destination. Um, he doesn't really have much horizontal ability. He's not going to bounce it and, and go which is fine, like I said, what for what we're looking for. He had like so many big plays because he finds the hole and he hit, like I said, he, he knows where he wants to go quickly. So he finds this hole and he goes. And that led to a lot of uh, a lot of touchdowns in a Memphis team that like to run the ball a lot. Patrick Taylor Jr., he's someone, if the Giants were to take him with a seventh-round pick, even though it's not a position to need and you have your first string, your second string guy, he's a guy I get excited about. Yeah, as a guy who's little, who's going to be picked a little bit later in the draft, you like his size. I feel like a ton, a ton of these running backs that we've tried to look at, you know, they've been guys that have been 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, and sure, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of a good size for a running back if you want a guy that's going to fit between the tackles. But ideally, what you're looking at of a running back that you're going to be taking later in the draft is a guy that can be on the field during third down. And at 6'1", 220 pounds, uh, Taylor is a guy that can handle those pass-blocking duties. Um, you know, obviously, I think he may need to work on his technique a little bit. He has kick coverage experience, which is key. If you're ta- again, we're talking about guys that are going to be taken uh, later in the draft. Um, the only thing that I saw, and that may be a little bit of a weakness on my end, Bobby, is a guy who's six one and a guy who runs and who runs very tall and doesn't really lower his shoulder, doesn't really get low, and doesn't really use his leverage in that regard when he has the ball in his hands. Guy that runs tall, that's a little bit of a concern on my end. But, you know, if he's going to be used as a third down back, if if that's going to be a kind of a role, like let's just say if he's on the Giants, not really the the biggest concern. So well, Patrick Taylor, if, pretty good ball player. If Saquon goes down, having the one-two of Deion Lewis and Patrick Taylor makes me a lot more comfortable than Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. That's that's what I'll say about the guy. So I, right. I, I, yeah. I think he fits. I mean, he had a good combine. That with like – I get that maybe he doesn't get as low as people as you'd want him to, but he still run he still runs dudes over. So you could say like, oh, Brandon Jacobs didn't get low enough, but it's like okay, but he freaking runs people people over. So uh, I probably like Patrick Taylor the most out of the three guys I'm going to talk about. Speaking of a guy who runs people over, AJ Dillon from Boston College, six foot, two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, I'll say it again. 
I'll say it again, Bobby. Did you hear that? Six foot, two hundred and fifty pounds. Holy moly, guacamole! Has he been a bell cow for Boston College the last three years? 2017, 300 carries. 2018, 227 carries. And 2019, 318 carries. And this year, playing in 12 games, uh, it was his most productive season as a collegiate athlete with a little over 1,600 yards. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry, 13 touchdowns, didn't really do much work in the receiving game as... He played 13 games his freshman year, and according to college football reference, he did not have a single catch. That's kind of wild. He finished with total, a total of 21 catches uh, throughout his collegiate career, so didn't really do much in that regard. All right, so here what we got. We, we got in my plus-plus category. He consistently gets good yards after contact. It makes up for his lack of great burst and acceleration. Bobby, he moves piles. He can turn those one- to two-yard run stuffs and cons- into consistently average runs. Third and ones, fourth and ones, you can feel confident he's going to move the pile enough to move the chains. His legs never stop churning. For 253 pound, 250 pounds, Bobby, now you might have looked at his 40 time, but I want you to guess what his 40 time was. Um, four, five, three. Wow, it's because you did know what his 40 time was, so you look. So, yes, <laughs> I, was hoping you, I was hoping you didn't know. <laughs> but, yes, wow, very, very precise and exactly it right. Guess. It was a guess. I was, <laughs> wow. I, was, I will say I guess. wasn't looking at it as I said it. I had seen it previously. So I'll give myself that. I got a good memory. All right, good memory. Yeah, uh, four, five, three, forty, and the film backs this up. He's not going to burn anyone on the secondary level, but impressive, impressive speed for his size. Now we're going down to my plus category. He has good athletic ability for his size. He reads running lanes well. Arm tackles just will not bring him down. Forty career TDs at Boston College. Sure, TDs can be random stat, but when you're doing something right, if you scored forty times in thirty-five games. Mostly ran outside zone and pitch plays at BC, which you wouldn't think of because of his size. But getting him out in space and getting momentum under his belt actually worked pretty well for him. I'll be interest- interested to see how he can adapt to being drafted to a team that maybe uses more inside zone like most of the league does, besides a few exceptions. So, hey, if if, if this guy can go to a team like Arizona or, or Minnesota, uh, watch how fun that will be. But... All right, so here, we're going to get down to my minus category, some things that I don't like, some things that maybe he needs to work on. Um, So here's something that I don't like. Running back, 845 attempts in three years. He has been a bell cow for for BC. Huge concern for me. I would almost rather have a running back who has one year of good proven experience instead of a guy who has who has taken such a such a huge beating throughout his entire collegiate career. And we know that BC, very run-heavy team, uh, they've definitely used him. Overall, my my pro comparison is Brandon Jacobs. Uh, Dylan is fun to watch, but he probably entered the league about a decade too late. Most likely, his skill set doesn't translate to what NFL teams need uh, lower-tier running backs to do besides be a short yardage specialist. But Bobby, regardless, this guy is really, really fun. Um, He's really, really tough to bring down. He's really explosive for his size. At 250 pounds, the dude had a 41-inch vertical jump. That was the best out of all the running backs. If you just look at his combine numbers you, and his size, you're like, you got you got to draft him, right? It's, he is one of those guys, I, if you get he gets on the team, he may end up averaging 3.2 yards per carry, but he's one of those guys you'll always have hope for because of his size and measurement. But like you said, he's he's got a lot of wear and tear on him. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of this guy is literally entering the NFL about a decade too late. 
And you know, call call me call me a um, a crappy football fan for hating on the running back position, but that's just my evaluation. So get over it. That was really mean. I, mean, I apologize. Next on my <laughs> list is UCLA running back. He's five foot eleven, two hundred twelve pounds. Joshua Kelly, man, he ran a four four nine forty, a thirty one inch vertical jump. So two hundred twelve pounds, five foot eleven, ten less inches than AJ Dillon. Um, but I'm not knocking him. 23 bench press reps, which was pretty impressive. A 4.28 shuttle. In 2018, his junior year, he had 1,243 yards on 5.5 yards per carry and 12 touchdowns. And this past season, he had 1,060 yards on 4.6 yards per carry and 12 touchdowns as well. Uh, he played D2. He was a D2 transfer. Came, came over with Chip Kelly when Chip Kelly took the UCLA job. If you listen to him for 30, 45 seconds in an interview, he'll captivate you. He's one of those guys you could just tell, like, does everything right. Like, it just rubs off immediately. And Justin, you know me. I don't really care about that kind of stuff. Like, that kind of stuff, I'm like, I'm more of a talk is cheap. Let me see what you do, not what you say. But it just no. rubs. Like, his, but, his but posi- BS. His positive. BS. I, well, listen, you are I, no, no, no. I'm interrupting you. I'm interrupting you. You are so big on character and who you are as a person like, not, off the field. I am, but I'm saying what you say to the media is what I don't care about. But like just the way he speaks to the media, like you just his positivity and energy, like just rubs you rubs off the right way. And I'm I don't really fall for that. I I don't I, I talk about real character. Anyone could talk to the media and have great character. Anyways, like I said, he's a former D two athlete. Um, he's not going to break a ton of tackles. Like you just don't see him break, uh, tackles, but he's going to, he will run through you. You know what I'm saying? So we'll get that extra two yards by running through a guy. Um, he's got like a, he's got a couple nice, like moves like you would use on Madden. He's got a nice, like jump cut and go his 40 time is good, but he just doesn't look that electric and speed. Although he had some big runs and he would get there. He can get tripped up easily. And, I, and that kind of goes with uh, not breaking a tackle. Like if you just get, if you get a, a hit on his leg, He'll fall. He'll come down. So, which is not really what you want out of a guy out of a guy who isn't going to start right away. You want him to run through guys. But anyways, but he does have. Part of it is from that, like the head down men- mentality. Another guy with not a lot of horizontal ability. But like you said, that UCLA team was bad. It was in rough shape, and he made plays for them. I mean, he had over a thousand yards. You know, two years in a row. You know, four point six yards per carry, five and a half yards per carry both seasons, twelve touchdowns. Receiving touchdown uh, last year. I like Joshua Kelly. I think he's a really cool dude. I would like to spend time with Joshua Kelly. I don't know if that means he's a good running back, but I, I like Joshua <laughs> Kelly. Isn't Joshua Kelly a country singer, by the way? I'm now. I'm not very good with country today. I'm more of a '90s country guy. I, doesn't he sing the sure. the Georgia Clay song? Oh, I have, I have just no, like I have that no Georgia. Clay. It is. I freaking love that song. Just like that Georgia Clay. So I wonder if there's All any relation. Everything. Nope, because the country guy's white and Josh Kelly's black. But we have to tell mm. you that because he's a running back. And unless your name's Good Chris, up. unless you go to Stanford, you don't play. You're not. A, there's no such thing as an NFL white running back. <laughs> Shout out Toby Garrett. Uh, uh, Joshua Kelly. Yeah, fun to watch on a very bad UCLA offense with a weak offensive line. So definitely our, our buddy Asi Asi benefited much better because if you have a team that's passing the ball more often because you're losing then Asiasi is going to benefit but Joshua Kelly uh rose above the occasion with a bad offensive line but if you're a running back in my brain if you're a running back that that does not have any pass catching abilities you're just another running back who may be out of the league by age 27 for me um and if you don't do much to separate yourself then 
I'm sorry. And uh, you're you're not you're not gonna pop off the page for me. And Joshua Kelly, while he was fun to watch, just doesn't pop pop off the page for me. Screw you then, Justin. Who's, I'm mean. Who's next on I'm mean. List? I'm mean. Um oh the Love this. I, I love this man. I am I hope, I rooting for him. J.J. Taylor out of Arizona. And Bobby, I will fight you after this show. That's a drop. Um, J.J. Taylor, 5'6", 180. Wait, first of all, I thought he was 5'8". Um, college, football, college football reference has him at 5'6". I thought he was 5'8". Very much. Hey, let's just go with 5'6". It makes the Rudy story even that much better. 5'6", five, five, 185 five. pounds. He's 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, he measured at the combine at 5'5". Five, five. Oh, oh lord that's even better um <laughs> so 5-5 jj taylor out of arizona started for the last three years but in 2019 he played 11 games 148 attempts 721 yards uh 4.9 yards per carry five touchdowns 32 receptions 289 yards as, as a receiver nine yards per reception no receiving touchdowns uh his best statistical rushing year was 2018 but i'm not gonna really not gonna really go through that um, but his best statistical receiving year was 2019. So this is my plus-plus category. Coaches absolutely rave about my main man, J.J. Taylor. Now, it may seem like a cop-out to say this about a guy who was 5'5". He is 5'5". I have it in my notes, so it's official. <laughs> say this about a guy who was 5'5", but for a guy to have this much success for this long at the collegiate level, at that size, you better be well-coached and you better be coachable. Uh, so ball catching ability and ability as a return man, two years of experience as a kick returner. That is why he is in my plus plus category. Now, he does not run like he is 5'5", 185 pounds. He thinks in his brain that he's A.J. Dillon. Um, overall, he has good lower half strength. Now, just because he is small and just because he is small and, and you know he's at 185 pounds, Bobby, just doesn't mean that he is a pure, pure speed and agility guy. Now, let's move down to my plus category he is a pass catcher out of the backfield utilizing multiple routes on the route tree not just screens and checkdowns from the fifth game to the final game of the 2019 season taylor had at least three catches in every single game and three of those games he eclipsed 50 receiving yards he will beat your average linebacker when running when running routes out of the backfield that is a nightmare for teams taylor performed pretty well at the nfl combine in late february posting the second best uh, time among running backs in the 20-yard shuttle run, the third best time of the three-cone drill, while his 19 reps in the bench press were tied for 12th best. He was just outside the top 15 rushers in the 40-yard dash, vertical jump, and broad jump. Now, my minus side and the negative things, that I, some things that he needs to work on, he's ultimately limited by scheme. He would definitely fit a, Cl a Cliff Kingsbury offense that emphasizes the spread a bit more. He's obviously limited by his size, but I am rooting for him. This is a guy, lower end of the draft. He's a return guy. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He he thinks in his brain. He runs like he's A.J. Dillon. Not a guy that just relies on his, on his speed and agility. So I'm rooting for him to work at the NFL level. If J.J. Taylor can work at the NFL level, that really does prove that anybody could be a running back in the NFL, which I think he can. I think it can work. I don't like this point. You're just your your narrative that you're pushing into every single player we talk about. All right, <laughs> next, Maryland running back Javon Leak. He'll leak on Ooh. you. Six oh six foot, flat, two hundred fifteen pounds. He ran a four six five forty thirty four and a half inch vertical. Justin, if we want to talk about guys uh, with wear and tear. Nope. Javon Leak ain't one of them. Last year. 
He had 102 carries. Maryland threw the ball like crazy. In 2018, he had 34 carries. In 2017, he had nine carries. And on those nine carries, he averaged 11 yards per carry. On those 34 carries, he averaged 9.1 yards per carry. But this last year for Maryland, he had 736 yards on 7.2 yards per carry. Eight touchdowns, nine catches for 55 yards. Justin, he had 23 carries versus Indiana. And I want to, after this, I'm going to tell you all the number of carries he had in each game. And he was the starter. Three, seven, eight, six, <laughs> five, seven, seven, nine, nine, eight, and then 10. He just didn't get the carries. So he never was able to get in rhythm. So he was kind of hit or miss. So he'd have a 70 yard touchdown and then three zero yard carries, you know? You know, the, the big plays obviously have, uh, you know, um, have a bigger impact on his yards per carries, but it's also like he was kind of boomer bust because he just was never, never able to get uh, into a rhythm. That being said, he did take losses too often, and he has his legs are weak. Um, it, it, it shows off that his legs are just not strong. But like I said, he has limited wear and tear, so it leaves a ton of potential for the guy. So he's, he may be a guy you never hear about because he just didn't get the, the totes at Maryland, but he's got a lot of ability. And the fact that he doesn't have any Durantero. That being said, Justin, he is fumble city. I mean, he fumbles a lot. And he's a bad blocker. That's a bad that's a coaches hate you kind of combo right there. You're a fumble city and you're a bad blocker. Tom Coffin would l- probably murder this guy. That being said, he's got a lot of talent. Fix the fumbles. Maybe you and Daniel Jones could take a class ah. together on fixing fumbles. And Saquon uh and can teach you how to block <laughs> while he's learning how to block this offseason. That was good. I laughed at the end there. It was good. Uh, Javon Leak, I'm still grossed out by the joke that you made that he's a leaker. I, that's just not a, not, a good, not a good vision of my brain. Do you know how to gleek? Do you know gleek? how to gleek? Is it a dance? Oh, God, that, that sounds... No. It's like, it's like you do like a, like nope, a little spit that with sounded, tongue, just like nope, more that's, that's, That sounded like it was talking giants after dark, whatever you were just doing right there. No, it's ch- talking giants seventh grade messing with your friends. Whatever. Um, Javon Leak, uh, Maryland, um, big home run hitter. This is a guy. This is a guy that you know I love. If I'm pushing my narrative of a guy that can make big plays, uh, but limited touches, my perfect running back. I'm joking. Uh. <laughs> this is clear that I'm pushing. I'm pushing a narrative. Um, all right, final guy on my list. Final running back on my list. Actually, just found his stats today. I did. I literally did my work on Benny LeMay from Charlotte, the Charlotte 49ers. I did my work on him about a week ago, and I did it without any stats because I just solely watched the film. Bobby Skinner was nice. What? You know what? I did film work on a different Charlotte player. So Charlotte is wow. lighting this draft up. <laughs> go, go Charlotte 49ers. Benny LeMay. In 2019, 193 attempts, 1,072 yards, 5.6 yards per carry, nine touchdowns, total of 19 catches, 242 yards with four receiving touchdowns with an average of 12.7 yards per catch. He also was receiving back in 2018, but 2018 was probably his best overall season. He had more yards. He had a little bit more attempts, more touchdowns, more catches, but 2019, he also had a pretty pretty good season for a small school guy. So in my plus-plus category, Benny LeMay, Charlotte 49ers, short burst acceleration, good vision, and uses small size to fit into holes. Another running back who may be short but is strong in his lower half and is not brought down very easily. Uh, Benny LeMay is 5'9", 215 pounds. I forgot to mention that. That is bad radio, bad podcasting. 
So once he is able to plant his foot in the ground and get going north and south, the acceleration isn't is impressive. In my plus category, he made some flat he made some flashy plays in the past game. Soft hands is the term that scouts throw around, and the tape even shows him making catches, navigating the ball through various angles, and making catches in traffic down the field. Does a solid job working his way to the outside to the tackle and reaching the corner on outside zone plays. He has very good game tape against, well, not very good. He has good game tape against Clemson, which is very, very tough competition, as we all know. In my minus category, things that he needs to work on, hesitant as a runner at times, has the tendency to dance around at the line of scrimmage and not commit, so decisiveness is an issue, needs to develop more as a pass blocker, and his hand placement if he wants to develop as a more as more of a three-down back. Uh, but this isn't impossible to fix. He has the weight to be adequate here. Uh, could use his weight and strength more to his advantage in terms of fighting for yards after contact. So at the pro level, he needs to show more aggression, lower the shoulder more as a runner, the lower man wins, and do not be susceptible to big hits because if you don't lower your shoulder, if you run high, you're easily brought down, and that's not good. We like yards after contact. Go Benny LeMay, Charlotte 49ers. I like AJ Dillon the most out of your guys. I'm just gonna say I like AJ Dillon the least out of all these guys. Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm gonna remember the three running backs you talked about. And in four years from now, we're gonna revisit this episode. Four years from now? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see. That's when you judge draft classes. That's that's what we're doing with our, our first half of these shows. That is true. We're doing 2013 today. All right. We appreciate you guys. That's our tight end running back review. Next Tuesday, this Tuesday. We're gonna be talking about edge slash defensive line guys. Got a you know we're gonna be this will be a top of the class heavy. We're gonna do Chase Young even though it's not realistic. Yes, it uh, is. We got Kilevon chasing. Eh, it's not that realistic. Yeder Gross Matos, AJ Epinesa. We have all the top guys. Okora, so that'll be one with some other guys sprinkled in. We appreciate you guys. So until then, let's go big blue.